As anybody who's been in the business and alive and on the planet the last couple of years knows, there's been a huge resurgence of interest in self-funding. The difference is that it's now gone all the way down to smaller groups from 1 to 125 employees, say, and that represents most of America's small businesses. What's new in non-BUCA solutions for those groups? We'll find out on this episode of Shift Shapers. This is the Shift Shapers podcast. Connecting benefits advisors with thought leaders and entrepreneurs who are shaping the shifts in the industry. And now, here's your host, David Saltzman. And to answer that question and probably a few others, we've invited Chris Corcoran. Chris is president and CEO of Creative Benefits Consultants. Chris, thanks so much for spending some time with us today. Absolutely. Uh, Definitely glad to chat with you and see what we can uh, see what kind of information we could parlay for the small group self-funded world uh, for your listeners. Yeah, I think, you know, it's always important with ERISA cases um, to do them properly. I think it's even more important on the small group side because there's so many moving parts that, you know, you take for granted in the large group side that you just don't have on the small group side. So I think it's going to be a really interesting and useful conversation. Before we start, tell us a little bit about your journey. How'd you come to be doing what you're doing today? Well, I think like most people in the world, uh, I ran into insurance by accident. Um, we, uh, I kind of were was doing a bunch of odd jobs after college. Um, had my had my resume out on you know multiple different career builder monster back in the day uh, websites, and I got a call from the regional sales director at Assurance Health uh, one day and and said, "Hey, you know, you want to come in for an interview?" And I said. I'm, I've got my suit on right now. I've got my resume. Can I come right now? So uh, I ended up swinging over to their offices and, and interviewing and got the job. Didn't know what a deductible was, didn't know what a copay was. Um, but uh, I learned pretty quickly and, and you know, put, uh, uh, put some hard work into it and, and got it figured out and ended up working for Assurant for about seven years. Um, and became one of their top producing uh, small group uh, insurance reps uh, there at Assurance Health. And um, after that, I, I kind of went out and uh, found one of my largest producing agencies that uh, wanted to bring me on to start selling their uh, independent TPA small group program. Uh, so I did that for about six or seven years and um, had some really good success with, with that was the was the top producing uh, program director, I guess, if you will, for uh, for that small group health program. There was a, a level funded program and about three years as right, right before the pandemic uh, kind of shut everything down, uh, had a decision to make of, you know, do I do I jump out and. Uh, sell somebody else's program, or do I uh, go out and take what I've learned and uh, all of the different knowledge points and resources and everything like that that I learned from being a participant with, you know, the next gen masterminds and Health Rosetta and and all of those different types of communities and and try to take that information and, and build something myself. And uh, so that's the direction I I chose to take uh, in January of 2020. Um, and then, of course, the whole world shut down and uh, a little bit later uh, that spring. But uh, I think it really afforded me the opportunity to uh, you know, really grind at it and make sure that it was done correctly up front. Uh, we put a lot of time and energy and resources into making sure that everything we were doing 
was compatible for those small groups, like you mentioned, uh, because it is a very nuanced type of world. Once you get into uh, an ERISA self-funded type of um, program um, and taking that out to 5, 10, 15 life groups, uh, you know, we'd rather take more time on the upfront side to make sure it's done right than, you know, find out a year or two later that, you know, there's all these holes in it. So, um, so that's really what we did. And and we've had some really good successes over the past couple of years uh, in, in running these programs. Um, and we're just, we're just off and running, uh, growing our, our product base and, and our uh, options for our groups each and every day. So, I will admit to you, as I have to others on this podcast, that I am not a small group guy, never been a small group guy, never wanted to be a small group guy. For me, the bigger the case, the better it was back in the day when I was selling. Mm -hmm. So help us understand, what are the particular problems that you run into or challenges that, that need to get solved if you're going to have first a conversation with a small group about self funding and then about actually kind of getting into the meat of it? Well, the first problem is just that most everybody's conditioned to think self-funding is only available for bigger groups, whether it be 100 plus or 500 plus or 1,000 plus. Uh, most people have not in the business world considered uh, self-funding an option for them. They think it's too risky. They think there's too much um, you know, financial liabilities that are out there for, for a smaller group and a business owner uh, to be able to go down that path. Fortunately, one of the good things the the carriers have done over the last couple of years with their level funded programs is really started to open the eyes of the business owners in that small group space, the under 100 space, that there is a way to get into the self-funded world to have it be a non-risky, non-huge liability type of scenario, which has really kind of opened up the doors for bringing those larger group solutions downstream to those small group uh, type of opportunities. So, so the big thing is just, you know, making sure that um, the business owners that we work with, the advisors that we work with in this space, just understand, you know, we are basically accomplishing the same goals uh, with the same type of structure that a BUCA level funded plan does, but just doing it in a more streamlined, independent, transparent way uh, that really should benefit those groups and their employees in the in the short term and long term. Uh, so that's the first piece of the puzzle. The second piece of the puzzle is is simply employer and employee education. Uh, as you get into those smaller group levels, you're not dealing with multiple different layers of HR, CFO, CEO, you know, all of that stuff. You're dealing with the owner and maybe a trusted. Uh, assistant or uh, sometimes even the wife of the owner or the husband of the owner uh, as kind of the decision makers. So being able to talk a little bit differently uh, in that small group space about how it's directly impacting them and their bottom line is going to be a little bit more important, I think, than uh, the the more broad stroke strategic approach that you might have with a 500 life group. Um, You know, being able to tell them, you know, you're going to save X amount on your premium this year. Great. That's our goal. But uh, our long-term goal is to provide better benefits to your members and control your cost over the next five years minimum. Uh, so once they get that aspect of it, that we're really just trying to help them purchase healthcare like they purchase everything else in their business, it starts to open up a lot more doors and opportunities. 
Well, the large group market and self-funding has gone really towards what I'd call an a la carte kind of a build-it-yourself model. Is that the same thing on the small group size, or do you pre-build plans? Tell me a little bit about the mechanics of of how that works. Yeah, and, and that really speaks to why we created these programs and these structures the way that we did is – you know, being involved with a lot of different advisors over the years and, and starting to be a lot more involved in, you know, the next gen community, the health Rosetta community. I know we met at the U powered symposium, being involved with, um, you know, those types of advisors that get it, they're doing those types of unbundled approaches on their bigger groups. Um, the consistent remarks were in conversations they didn't want or they didn't have the time or they didn't have the resources to build an unbundled health plan themselves for a 25 life case. Um, after hearing that multiple times, I just said, well, okay, we all like these concepts. We all get the structure of them. We all appreciate all of the pieces of it. What if I went out and built it for you? We come up with some standardized you know, plan designs. We come up with some standardized vendor stacks. We streamline the process uh, for quoting to almost make it as simple as quoting a you know all savers type of plan on a on a UHC level funded plan or or a Aetna AFA plan to where you send in the the RFP and then everything is built for you from TPA stop loss PBM uh, specialty medication solutions medical management telemedicine network reference-based pricing vendor, all of that is kind of already pre-packaged and pre-built. Uh, and most importantly, pre-vetted and pre-rated by the stop-loss markets that we work with to make sure that we are getting the appropriate discounts and uh, decrements that are available for everything that we're trying to do inside of our program. So we're very much a, uh, a pre-built type of solution for everything that we do. Uh, to simply try to make it easier for the groups, for the advisors, uh, for the employees to access these types of programs. Now, by no mean are they are they simple uh, once you get into them, right? Because there's a lot more education that that's involved. There's a lot more uh, uh, participation by the employees that is required in order to make sure these plans work the way that they should. But on the front side, we try to make the ease of access as as simple as possible. Um, so then that way, you know, a, a, an advisor is not looking at it and say, well, this is way too difficult to quote. I just don't even want to look at it. Or, or the group says, I got to provide all of this information just to get a rate. You know, that, that, that's what starts turning people off from the, from the self-funded type of solutions on those smaller groups. So we try to, we try to simplify and streamline that as much as possible, uh, to, to really provide that ease of access. So let's go back to the employer conversation for a minute. As we're talking, I still think there's a you know the hurdle that we usually have with self-funded plans, especially when we're talking to a virgin group. They've never had it or thought about it, or they've got the conception, as you said, that it's just for jumbo groups. Mm -hmm. How do you de-scary that conversation? Yeah, I mean, we've really we've really done that by building. Um, you know, I, I kind of hate the term crawl, walk, run, right? But I haven't come up with anything else yet. But we've 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 kind of built that structure within our platforms to where we can build something that's a very simple uh, program, get you into a level funded world, not really pulling a ton of levers, uh, but it looks, smells, feels like a a buka type of plan, but written with independent partners inside of the program. And then we scale up from there uh, to be able to start pulling 
you know, individual levers as we go, you know, still riding with a, a national network, but putting some basic medical management in there, um, you know, doing some prescription medication management, uh, sourcing of medications uh, to make sure that we're getting the lowest net cost possible for brand names and specialty medications. And then all the way up to our highest programs that are pulling a lot of levers with reference-based pricing and aggressive steerage and and uh, more aggressive medical management and more aggressive uh, prescription management. So we try to outline the process of, you know, here's here's kind of the scope. Here's where we're looking at. Um, here's where um, we think that would be a good fit for you. But where do you want to be? What are your goals? Is your goal to save as much money as possible and you don't necessarily care about disruption to your employees? Okay, great. We can go further down the spectrum. Or is it my employees will absolutely revolt if they don't have a network in place and they don't have a copay for everything that they're used to having? Okay, we go further down this way, down the crawl spectrum. So, um, you know, that that's really kind of what we've devised, I guess, as, as far as our strategy uh, to be able to, you know, have an advisor be able to send us an RFP and we provide back to them multiple different options in that crawl, walk, run light to where they can have that honest conversation with the advisor or with the, with the group uh, as an advisor, consultant, to say, okay, where are you at? Where do you want to be? Where's your budget at? Where's your tolerance for disruption at? Okay, let's get here. But here's where we want to get you over the next couple of years. And here's the steps that we're going to take to get you there. Uh, I'm really big on allowing the advisors to be advisors. Uh, we love working with people that that get that concept versus a, a spreadsheet or broker, you know, whatever you want to call them, uh, because those are the ones that are really going to um, a sell it correctly, uh, but then also B use that long-term strategic uh, approach to it, which I think uh, is even more important for these you know 15, 20, 30 life cases than you know than it can be even on the 500 life cases because the cash flow is maybe a little bit less. Uh, you know they're they're struggling to hire and retain employees. Uh, maybe they're struggling to keep the doors open. Um, and so if we can if we can do our small part to help them uh, financially, but also help them by offering potentially better benefits to their members, that becomes a recruiting and uh, retaining tool for, you know, for that smaller group. So I want to drill in on something that you said in, in that crawl, walk, run continuum. Um, if we take the position that a level funded plan is kind of like a fully blown self-funded plan with training mm -hmm. wheels. With some of these groups, do the training wheels stay on forever? Do you migrate some of them out of that once you've gotten some data and can make better choices? What's that continuum look like? Yeah, we we really leave that up to the advisor and to the group. We have the capability to pull those training wheels off as we get further down the spectrum. Uh, but honestly, a lot of those groups in that certain size range, uh, the training wheels are just fine. Uh, now, there's, there's different additional levers that we can pull you know, to minimize the necessity of the training wheels. But uh, the predictable monthly expense is something that I think a 20 life group really appreciates. Uh, now, obviously, if you, as you get further into it and you have an advisor that really gets it and a group that really buys into it, yeah, we can we can start pulling off some of those, you know, some of those additional levers and training wheels to make it a more aggressive type of program, a little bit more of a variable type of payment structure like a traditional self-funded program does. But 
honestly, what we've seen is a lot of groups in that space, they really appreciate, you know, the predictable, you know, monthly expense. Uh, and then we can start to pull those levers on the benefit side of things, on the additional cost containment side of things. And then when they get a big refund check at the end of their year because they've you know, done all the stuff that they're supposed to do, you know, that's that's like Christmas morning for them. Yeah, creating cash flow from your healthcare plan is not a sentence that many people believe is anything other than fantasy. Exactly. So out of curiosity, you know, you were, I know you work with a bunch of brokers or advisors or, you know, whatever we want to be called these days. What's the number one objection that they hear and and how do you overcome that? Where's the Buka logo on my ID card? You know, this isn't Blue Cross. Uh, why do I have to do all these extra steps to, uh, you know, to just access my health care plan? Why can't I just go wherever I want to go for the services that I want to have? Um, and, and those those objections can be easily answered. But, you know, being able to. um get the audience with the employee to be able to answer it, I think is, is probably the biggest challenge. Um, you know, obviously being in a more remote workforce now today, uh, it's harder to have, you know, in-person, uh, employee education meetings. Um, you know, it's a little bit more difficult to, um, get people, people want the best thing without having to do what they need to do for it. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, Nurse Deb at AIM always says, you know, people want a half price Cigna plan with doing nothing for it, right? You know, but we can save you the money. We can get you to the price point that you want to get to. But the further down that crawl walk one spectrum that you're going to go, the more involved the group is going to have to be, the more involved the employees are going to have to be. And sometimes the biggest culprit is the more involved the spouses have to be. Um, so we always encourage people to invite spouses to employee education meetings and make sure that they understand what we're doing and why we're doing it. And, and, and really it's not, the employer does not want to race to the bottom dollar and just get the cheapest plan possible. Um, the, the goal of everything that we're trying to do inside of all of our plans is to bring better benefits to the members and improve their quality of care uh, inside their healthcare plan, which I think at the end of the day, everybody appreciates as long as they know about it. We've got about a minute and a half left, and I'm curious, you know, one of the recurring themes at that UPower conference that we were at was, yes, we love having all of these best-in-class pieces to be able to bolt on, but we still want, as you said, the one logo. Mm -hmm. Is there, do you see a movement coming where there will be an infrastructure that replicates that kind of one logo feel, even with all of the disparate parts. I, I do. On the back yeah, end. I do, and 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 frankly, that's one of the reasons why we've tried to brand our programs uh, underneath a a program name. You know, like a catalyst for our run approach or our gateway plans for our our, our walk approach. You know, so that way. You know, people can look at it and say, all right, this is a program. Here's all of my vendor stack inside of that. And and we're continually working on how do we consolidate that um, even more to a single phone number, to a single app, to a single website, uh, to be able to allow them to access the plan just like they were if they were on an Aetna plan. Uh, but, you know, still being able to maximize the, the vendor stack in the way that it was created to be used. That's a great place to end our conversation, but we do hope Chris, you'll come back as this evolves. And as you guys pick up more speed and, and learn more, Chris Corcoran, president and CEO 
of Creative Benefits Consultants. Thanks for sharing your expertise with our audience. I appreciate it, David, and I uh, hope to chat with you again soon. The Shift Shapers podcast is a production of Shift Shapers, LLC. The content and images of this podcast may not be used without our express written permission. Copyright 2023. All rights reserved.